On the cover, a mall food court in chaos. We can see people running in all directions as food flies, and in the background we can see Darren and Debbie Diabolus chasing a man in red tights who's wearing a VW Beetle hood on his back. In the center cover, a round table with a pile of chili fries and Darren's cell phone showing a message from William, and a reply from Jackie, whose profile image is now a polar bear. An alert at the top of the screen shows a news update. Todd Roman found. Issue 31. Whiplash. back to issue 31. So last time we left off with Piero in an alleyway with an unconscious Todd Roman and no mask. We'll come back to that in a second. Darren, you're at the mall. <laughs> you're at the mall with Debbie Diabolus. Yeah. You've just been shopping. Yeah. And uh, a villain called Punch Buggy has just robbed a jewelry store and knocked out a mall security guard. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Well, I just want to recap what I am wearing for this particular fight. As That's I true. I am that not in my usual game game on fair i'm wearing a large rhinestone cowboy hat with suspenders a large scarf bright neon yellow fishnets and a single michael jackson glitter glove what color is the scarf oh i'm gonna make that very like woodsy like plaid Plaid. (laughs) like 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 deep plum reds and greens like it it does not match in any shape or form i have a question the colorist just hates you (laughs) what can you describe the suspenders are they like a colored suspender they should be patterned shouldn't they they're polka dot my favorite color polka dot (laughs) what color polka dot red and white red and white no that's too close to the pink wouldn't it of my skin I mean, mm. red and pink don't go together super well. Let's do. You're right. Let's do. Let's do, let's red, do and red and white. And it doesn't match anything else you're wearing. Yeah, nothing I'm wearing matches. <laughs> Wonderful. Okay. So what do you do? Um, I'm gonna see if the security guards are running. You said they were. And one of them just got knocked. One the of them hell just out got knocked buggy. out. And I'm gonna go stop, sir. <laughs> Violence is not necessary in a public, family-friendly environment. Punch Buggy looks over at you and just, like, takes in what you're wearing. And, and he goes, ugh. And he starts running towards the door. Ah, uh, no, you didn't. You did Excuse me. Debbie kind of stands up at, like, the, uh, at that and goes, how dare you? <laughs> right? Um, I'm going to run after him. I don't know if I'm wearing any shoes. We did not discuss what shoes I was wearing, but no. we're going to go ahead and say I'm barefoot. <laughs> barefoot and fishing. Barefoot knit after him. Cool. Uh, Debbie runs after you, and as she does, she kind of like pulls a hand across her face, and you've never seen this before. Debbie uh, basically gets just really extra like uh, skull makeup kind of face paint look on. Nice. And her hair like streams out behind, and she kind of looks over at you and puts up a hand for a high five. High five! Good audio. That was, that was uh, satisfying. That was a satisfying audio. So as you are chasing Punch Buggy, I do want you to unleash your powers because Punch Buggy is surprisingly quick. Okay. So this is you overcoming an obstacle. Okie dokie. Uh, I got a 10 plus 2, a 12. You do the thing. Punch Buggy basically, uh, as soon as he gets to the double doors that lead outside the mall, kicks those open, rolls through them, and like springs up, and you are right behind him. Yeah, I'm going to tackle him. Nice. Uh, go ahead and directly engage the threat. Like an NFL player. Yeah, do it. Uh, Plus danger. Uh, 
it's an eight. On a seven to nine, pick one off that list. Do you want to resist or avoid their blows? Take something from them, create an opportunity for your ally, uh, in this case, Debbie Diabolus, or impress, surprise, or frighten the opposition, and that is my choice. So, I'm going to resist or avoid their blows. Okay, so you tackle Punch Buggy, uh, just kind of like to the ground. Yeah. Uh, Punch Buggy rolls out of your out of your grasp and stands up and kind of like shakes and that little like so he's got a kind of metallic shell casing on his back and he looks at you and goes, "What the hell?" and it just opens up and you can see like uh, beetle wings under there. That's disgusting and delightful. Uh, and he's not he's not actually flying with these. You feel like they might just be for show. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's one of those. Yeah. He mocked me for my outfit, and this is his power stance is flapping beetle wings. I This feels very, like, the hey, They could be sharp. Black. You don't know. <laughs> so I want to get... Uh, Do they, like, super sharp and vibrate really fast? I don't know. So I want to get out to the Oda National Park. Sure. Where the Baroness has put in a call to Kopi. Yes. And it gets picked up by, uh, I think this is, I think this is Brad... Uh, oh, Brad. Right, Bradley. We, we briefly saw Brad uh, a few issues back. He is a field agent. And Brad picks up Eddie and he says, Copy offices, Brad speaking, how can I help you? <coughs> I'm going to cough because I just got blown up. But <laughs> it's not due to my crippling smoking habit. <laughs> no, I just got blown up. Hey, only we can prevent forest fires, all right? <laughs> or cause them in this case. Smokey the Bear and I are not friends at this point. No. Anyways, I'd like to report a crash in the na- what national park? Oda. Oda National Oda. Park. Oda. I keep wanting to say Odessa, and I know we're not in Texas. No. So, Yes, in Oda National Park, believed to be alien in origin. Brad kind of takes this in in the aplomb that, you know, Kopi is known sure. for. Do you know what kind of alien? I'm not sure. Would I have recognized who these people are? Well, you have seen Darren in her, uh, like, semi-feral form, for lack of a better word. Yeah. And it looked like, two of them looked like that. I do. I make the connection. Sure. Okay, that's good enough. I'm going to say, I, I think, do, do I know the name of Darren's species you or do planet? You do not. You do not. Darren, do you know the name of your species? We have never said it in our feeble human tongue. So, I'm going to say... We we'll call them... <laughs> Can say Officer Darren knows who they are, <laughs> or Darren? They're they're Darren people. Okay, all right, that's <laughs> all right. <laughs> yeah, we'll. S- and you said this is in uh, the Oda National Park. Are there any landmarks that you can see? Are there landmarks I can <laughs> see for this? Uh, for this, I would like you to assess your situation. Yes, because something is happening at this point. Yes. Ha! <laughs> no, I do not assess that situation. Three. So this actually kind of works out. As you are looking around trying to find a landmark, you notice something large moving in the trees. Oh. It's large, kind of quadrupedal. Uh, it looks pointy in lots of ways, and it is definitely kind of circling around your area. Okay. And sort of like, it's bigger than you, I'll put it this way. It's a giant porcupine. I'm sure it's something to that effect. Can I just send them a GPS signal? Unleash your powers. Okay, that's a Ten. To unleash my powers. Wait. Yeah. 11 plus free. Cool. You do the thing. 
So you can hear a fax machine going off in the background and you yes. just send it to the fax machine? Yes. Okay. <laughs> the fax machine is picking up GPS coordinates. Somehow. Got it. You're just using your tech to override whatever yes, it's faxing. Yes, exactly. So that very important office memo just got a bit yeah, interrupted. Just obliterated. That's going to uh, have consequences. Far-reaching consequences. That's the crux <laughs> of our next campaign. Yes. The entire thing. So Brad says, uh, hold on. Are you going to tell him what to... I'm just going to get really quiet and say, Brad. There's something really big here. Send someone. Uh, and I think that's a good point to pause on that scene. Send Static Shock. <laughs> He's the only one who can help us He's now. He's the only one who can help us the now. The only one strong enough. I definitely do not say that. <laughs> they are uh, They are recently, as we know, restarting yes. the Kopi Youth teams. God, and Kopi Static Shock is up. leading. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, Piro. Well. You're in an alleyway. Todd to reiterate for the listeners, has been through the ringer. He's unconscious. He still has, you can see this, half of an IV in his arm. Like, the tube is just cut off cleanly. Mm-hmm. It is still in there, but, like, there's nothing being, you know, fed into it at this point. You're, you have no idea where your mask is. And Todd is, his torso is kind of, like, wrapped in bandages, sort of under the arms. And you can see kind of, like, a weird-shaped lump kind of over where his heart is. Sorry, my dog is making a lot of tappy noises. Oh, that's fine. It is? Okay. Yeah. I was... Because he's, he's... What is he doing? He's unmaking his bed. <laughs> <laughs> he's got to get it just right. Padfoot, yeah. uh, for, the, for the listeners, is our unofficial fifth member. Padfoot is playing the Harbinger playbook. Uh, he is here to warn us about a threat from the future, but none of us speak dog, so we don't know what he's trying <laughs> oh, to no, warn us about. Padfoot! I mean, the threat is obviously him. <laughs> But that would be Padfoot as the innocent. <laughs> ah, I see. Okay. So anyway, Piro, what do you do? Okay, so I am assuming that since my mask is gone, I cannot use it as healing equipment to try to heal Todd Roman. You are correct. Okay. All right. So I got to get out of the alley. And I have a couple ideas of where I want to go. Well, let's, let's bounce your ideas. What, okay, what you so thinking? I was thinking I could cry at Horace and be like, Horace, what the heck is going on? Please help me figure this out. Okay. And she would do that okay. after yelling at me. Okay. Uh, I could take him back to my family home as a big middle finger to my dad. Okay. Which I think would be very fun. Um, I could take them back to my squat shack because that seems natural. Uh, and I could also call Rick and Montel and ask them to come help me transport this heap of Todd. Okay. So now that we know our options, mm-hmm. what do people think is the most interesting there? Take him home to father. <laughs> really? Okay. I would say uh, either Horace or... Horace would be, I think, the most interesting. Rick and Montel makes the most sense. Yeah. Okay. What do you think, Christina? This is not like a vote. This is just what right, people yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. Horace seems the most interesting to me. There's a part of me that really wants you to just take him to your parents' house. You could roll my decision dice if you would like. See, I feel that Horace makes the most sense more so than Rick and Montel because she would, she's mm-hmm. the most knowledgeable person. We sure, know. but Rick and Montel were looking for him, which would be like, hey, I got him. Yeah. So that would make sense to me. Mm-hmm. I think... But they're not medical professionals. No. I mean, bless them, but they yeah. are not doctors. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think Horace would make the most sense. I think my, my dad would try to trap me there. So I don't need to do that just as a big middle finger to my father. Okay, so I think you have a decision then. Yeah, so... Can I call her, or do I just have to show up? As far as you know, Horace does not use a phone. Okay, okay. You've so, never called Horace. So I do the little thing where I find the, the moon. Are you just, like, carrying Todd Roman with you? Yeah, why not? 
Okay. Uh, can I mime some sort of uh, wheelchair for him? Unleash your powers. Okay. Okay. <laughs> With your five conditions marked. Okay. That's a 12. You yeah, think. you do the thing. I will tell you that as you, you know, go to mime this, mm-hmm. it is harder than it usually is. And you can tell that this wheelchair, like, even even as solid as it, as it is in your head, mm-hmm. is not going to last very long. Okay. At some point, it feels like your powers are starting to, like, fritz out again. Great. But for now, mm-hmm. you eventually find your way to... Abandoned gas station. I like that. You know what? Sure. Yes. It's a run-down gas station. Uh, run-down, not, not abandoned. Not abandoned. Oh, Ooh. thank God. It is, in, it is in heavy disrepair, but it is still active. And the, uh, <laughs> I know exactly the one in this town. <laughs> and, you, and you see on the doorway to the bathroom the last symbol that you need, which is a moon. Great. So when you uh, knock on that door, <laughs> she's gonna be pissed. Horace answers. She's currently got her hair like up in a towel. Um, she's like wearing a bathrobe, and I will tell you this because this is the first time you've seen her out of her like normal kind of outfit. So there's a red gem that's in the middle of her outfit. Sure. It's actually embedded in her chest. Wow. It's just there, and she looks out and looks at the surroundings and kind of looks up at the sky. And then looks over at you, and looks at Todd, and looks at you. What did you... You know what, just get in here. (laughs) This was her self-care night. Poor Horace. So, the inside of Horace's sanctum, because we haven't seen it in a minute, there's a giant pile of treasure just in one (laughs) corner, just chilling. I really love it. Just chilling out there. There's some new things stuck in it from last time. Um, I believe you mean a giant pile of William's treasure. Uh, Someday. You can you can dream all you want. <laughs> there are some new things stuck in it from last time. Uh, there's a heavily jewel-encrusted sword. Nice. Uh, there is a cane with a top hat sitting on top of it. That's sweet. Uh, and there's crawling around on it a small bronze turtle. Oh, I, I love it. Turtle. This is beautiful. Otherwise, there is a fireplace in one corner that is going. There are a couple of comfy-looking leather chairs. It looks like ho- there is a bathtub in mm-hmm. the corner, just, like, full of bubbles. Wow. Uh, that Horace was probably relaxing in before you interrupted. Glass of red wine. Yeah, like a glass of red wine on a nightstand next to it. I think there's, like, a trashy romance novel exactly on it. exactly where my eyes going. Yeah. Tony yeah. Peck's Dakota. Yeah, it's Tony Peck's Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> From an alternate timeline. Sure. Well, that's, that's embarrassing weird. for her. No, that's no, embarrassing. That's no, no. weird. It, it is embarrassing, which is probably why she's annoyed that you interrupted her. So yeah. as you wheel uh, Todd Roman in, you can feel the uh, wheelchair starting to dissipate. But you do manage to get him to a chair. He is still pretty out, but he is starting to stir a little bit. And Horace just looks at you. You have, let's be generous, five minutes. So I don't know what they were doing to him, but I found him in a facility that I think was underground based on how my ears popped a little bit. He's got the thing in his chest and I don't have my mask anymore, so I can't help him and I don't know what to do and I don't know where I can take him where someone will put him back in that underground place where the people are doing this stuff. And Horace just kind of holds up a hand. Let's stop and break this down point by point. (laughs) Underground facility. How do you get there? I uh, Beats me. Cool, we'll put a pen in that. Thing in his chest? Beats me. Okay, let's answer that question then. And she goes over and, you know, starts kind of working with the bandages. Mm-hmm. And as they come away, we get a couple of panels of this. It looks very similar to the one that's stuck in Horace. There is a big blue gem stuck right over his heart. And as she uncovers that, 
Horace just kind of recoils a little bit and looks over at you. Get him out of my house. Can it, We're done here. Go. Okay. Alright. I guess I I guess I kinda like pick him up and like try to put him over my shoulders. So as you pick him up, I think I want you to pierce the mask. Okay. Because Todd starts to wake up as you pick him up, but there's something maybe a little different. Okay. This is plus mundane. <laughs> So as you pick him up, uh, as you kind of move him, that sort of jostles him the rest of the way awake, Mm -hmm. uh, Todd's eyes open up, and there is a very cold snap that just runs through the room. The fire goes out. That's the first time you've ever seen that happen. Oh, no. And Horace just covers her face for a second, and the room goes dark. We'll get back to that in just a sec. Yay. So, William. Yes. As you you know, get out of earshot of your dad's office. Uh, Eric looks over at you. Do you have any idea who that might have been? Not a clue. You? I haven't seen those pictures. Can I take a look? Sure. And he starts thumbing through them. Well, I have no idea whose portal that could be. And he holds up the picture. That's an old acquaintance of Nightshade's. Their name is Wolf Spider. They're a thief. Okay. Very accomplished for hire. Very pricey. Mundane level or magic? Mundane. Not even super? Not even a little. Okay. Highly skilled acrobat. Highly skilled infiltrator. Lots of tech support, but no abilities that I know of. Okay. So, someone else made the portal, or they have some sort of artifact that can make the portal. He hands the pictures back to you. If I may, I've been in the crime game longer than you have. Someone obviously hired Wolf Spider. Perhaps that's their employer extracting them. Right. Someone else is making it. Okay. So can... If I want information from Nightshade, we need to actually break Nightshade out. Uh, Do you have a lead and a plan on that? I have some ideas. I know where he's being held. So that's step one. Okay. I don't have a good extraction plan yet. Okay. If we go to... Would I be better off trying to go straight for Wolf Spider, or can Nightshade connect me with him if I manage to get if we manage to get Nightshade out in a hurry? Nightshade and Wolf Spider are on good terms. Could probably give you an intro. Okay. The problem is Nightshade's being held at a pretty tough facility to crack, and he kind of looks at you. It's on the moon. Um. What? <laughs> And Eric sort of nods. This isn't public knowledge, but you may as well know since you're part of the family. Back in the late 80s, there was a spate of very highly powered, very dangerous villains. Some of those are still at large today, but most of them have since been contained. And under the direction of Axiom, a secure facility was built on the moon. Okay. Because when you have someone that can level a city block with their mind, you don't house them inside a city block of people. Gotcha. It is still run by Kobe. It was never run by Kobe. Oh. Well, then who runs it? The U.S. military. That's not good. No. So how do you have even the remotest plan? I know where he is. You have portals. You can give me exact coordinates so I can use my portals to get up there. I can get you close. Okay. I know where the facility... I know where the facility... Orbits and all that. (laughs) I understand. I know where the facility is. I don't know where inside it he's being housed. Okay. 
So I'm going to need, this is not a single man operation or just you and me. This is a team. There's no way we're going to be able to do this alone. I understand that this is going to be difficult to put together. I have a few more leads to follow. Hopefully I can get us a little closer. But I think this might be your, I think this might be a good lead for you. Okay. Okay. One last question for you, Eric. Of course. Where do you stand right now? You know what Dad's trying to do. I do. Do you know of what the consequences could be? And he kind of looks around. There's a diner a few streets over on Simonson. Meet me there tonight, and I'll tell you what I know. Okay. And he kind of, like, nods at you. He actually gives you a very brief hug, and then he, um, and then he, you know, takes off to, assumedly, whatever other lead he's following up on. With that, let's get back out to Punch Buggy. Yeah, Punch Buggy. (laughs) Uh, Punch Buggy has, like, splayed his wings at you, uh, and he's trying to, like, box at you. Mm -hmm. Um, What are you up to? I, I don't feel like I have very competent hand-to-hand combat skills, is the thing. That's fine. So I don't want to be, like, punching back. I think I would be trying to dodge his blows, uh, and uh, I think I would have called Kopi. I would hit my, my watch mm-hmm. like and give them, like, man dressed as a bug that might be a car attacking uh, the mall. Is that Elder Box Beetle... Uh, ladybug or punch buggy? The last one. <laughs> Do you know that? Yes, I know. To be that. fair, this is a this is a guy with boxing gloves who has been. I think that's a fair a fair pick. I kind of assume he just announced himself when he ran out of the bag. It's punch buggy. Punch buggy. <laughs> like an on page like yeah, yeah, splash yeah. splash. Yeah. Um, and- uh, so yeah, that's fine. That's fair. Uh, uh, yeah, so you, I will, uh, and- you do that. You call Kobe. Uh, I think at this point, Punch Buggy uh, tries to, like, make a grab at your wristwatch to try and, like, break it because he doesn't want you to call Kobe. Too late, um, bitch! I think as he does... That Debbie... was out of character, just so everyone knows. That's fine. Yeah. Okay. I, I think as he does, Debbie grabs his arm and, like, judo flips him. Yeah! Uh, Debbie. He, of course, rolls, stands, and then tries to, like, run past you because <laughs> he can't actually fly. Um, what do you do? It's also sad, right? <laughs> Trip him. <laughs> this poor. I, I part of me is. I, this is. This is not like what I'm actually gonna do. But like, part of like, let this guy have a win. Right? <laughs> He's clearly not having a great life. He's resorted to a life of crime, dressed as it. a ladybug, <laughs> robbing a mall. And broad ass daylight. He's dressed as part bug, part VW bug. Yeah. He's already, like, having a shit day. He, he has made choices. He's made multiple regrettable choices. This is not someone who gets invited to the high school reunion. This is not someone who's, like, gonna be near the high ranks of villainy. So sad. So, but I'm not. I'm not gonna do so that. So what are you gonna do? Um, if he's gonna try and run past me, I'm going to touch him. As he tries to run past, touch okay. him, and then I'm going to shift his density. Yes. Okay. I'm turning into a snot booger. Goop! <laughs> goop him. Turning into I'm goop. turning into a goop pile. Okay. Uh, I'm assuming this is to make him not be able to run away? Yes. All right. I'm going to goop him. I... Yeah, go ahead and directly engage that threat. All right. Directly engage threat. Plus danger. That's plus danger. Uh-oh. Oh, honey bunches. <sighs> I got a five, and danger is zero. So you got a five. I got a five. Can, can Debbie be in my team? She is, but she can still only add one team at a time. Shit! Okay. So, he runs past you. You try and reach out and touch him. And I think at this point he does spin and manage to, like, kick your arm um, that's got the the Phoenix watch. And Mm -hmm. I think the screen just cracks. 
Uh, Phil, expensive. And then he like handspring backflips uh, behind a car. <laughs> what do you do? You can't see behind the car. He's trying to like open the door of another car to get in. <laughs> How is he doing this with boxing gloves? <laughs> Pretty poorly. <laughs> and I will say it is a VW bug. It's, oh, oh, it might actually be his car. It might actually be his car. What does right. the license plate say? I can't gonna, see from this angle. I'm going to run after him. As I do so, I'm going to yell back to Debbie, Make note of the license plate! <laughs> Debbie gives you a thumbs up and goes, You got it, girl! <laughs> Hello, oh, Debbie. So okay, I'm going to run up, and I'm going to shift the density of my fist and make it very, very heavy, and I'm going to try and directly engage and punch him in the and punch him in the face. Go for it. Yes. Come on, dice. Twelve. Twelve. Come on, dice. What's directly engaged? Plus danger. Danger? Damn it. Seven. All right. So on a, on a seven to nine, you pick one. Do you want to resist or avoid? Take something, create an opportunity, or uh, impress, surprise, or frighten? I'm going to impress, surprise, or frighten. You scare the hell out of him. Aww. He sees this thing coming and he tries to duck. And I think the way that works is that you um, hit the car. And he is just like on the ground with his hands up at that point, And you have demolished the driver's side door of this vehicle. And he just like sticks his hands up. He's like, okay, not worth it. Totally not worth it. I give up. <laughs> and I want to say, a life of crime is never worth it. I still have three payments on that car. Oh, damn. Guarantee <laughs> cars. The economy is so cruel to those of us in the lower third of the economic bracket. I'm just saying, this poor man. Uh, Debbie goes around and she's like, you are not going to believe what his license plate is. Oh, this dude is such a loser. And she and she uh, like uh, takes a picture with her cell phone and holds it up in this number one punch. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Mr. One Punch Man. <laughs> Can the mall cops please arrest this <laughs> One punch book? Can they finish? Yes. Okay. You you stick around. For I'm more minute. embarrassed that I had to fight this person <laughs> than anything else. This like goes on your resume now. Yeah. <laughs> no. Mall cops could have De- taken care of him. De- yeah. Debbie does insist on taking a selfie with you and uh, her and Punch Buggy. <laughs> because like this is the first criminal you took down as a team. Aww. She's like, I am totally gonna put this up on Instagram. This is awesome. Does do I still have a really fly outfit? You do. My outfits still fly. Okay, oh, yeah. That's perfect. Oh, yeah. The only thing that got broken was your watch. Aww. Which your Phoenix watch is broken. That is a bummer. So. Can I note something real quick? Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm aware that, like, from my point of view, Eric just walked away. This is the first moment I've actually had of, uh-huh. like, remote freedom. Uh-huh. I feel like as soon as I would free, was free, mm-hmm. I would have contacted, at, tried to contact at least Piro and the Baroness to be like, um... That is fair. Are you alive? Because uh, that is Where fair. did you go? Because these two are still relatively in the same time frame as you. Darren's yeah. having a Darren adventure with Debbie. So I, I at least want to, like, send out a text. That's fair. That's all. So it's kind of like a are you okay sort of thing. Yeah. Where I are think, you? <laughs> I think we get the are you okay as this uh, altercation in Horace's Sanctum is going down. So, Piero, your phone lights up with, you know, uh, a couple of texts from William, and in those text lights, we can kind of see what's going on. Todd's not home anymore. Uh, Todd has bright glowing blue eyes and has grabbed Horace by the face, and it just repeatedly, like, smashing her head into the wall. Horace has responded by grabbing that gem that's in uh, Todd's chest, and you can see her hand just, like, glowing red. What are you doing? Don't know. <laughs> I was not prepared for this. For a battle of the gods? 
Piero stares. <laughs> watches this happen. Piero gets out cell phone and turns to camera mode. Piero doesn't even have a mask anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I can't. I feel like I can't use my powers because it's not. Well, you can try, too. but it's not. It's okay. Can, yeah, it's not. Your your roles are not being penalized. Oh, you can you can uh, as someone who maybe is friends with Todd Roman, um, maybe he has mm. tenants of his YouTube channel. They can be like Todd. We are disciples. <laughs> we are meant for good. We commute. Yes. We we contribute to the community, Todd. Yeah, and get see Montel in on this. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking. I, I, so I could I could call Rick and Montel. I'm definitely going to ignore William for now. Fair, uh, fair at the enough. very least. Fair. I am not That's okay. I will let him know what I am okay. I was also thinking I could just try a little sheep hook on Todd. Okay. So I think that's what I'm going to do first, is I'm going to try to... Try to sheep hook Todd? Yeah, sheep hook I think Todd. this counts as defending Horus, so roll the defend. Is that plus... Save Okay, good. Okay. Eight plus one. Okay, so that's a nine. So on a seven to nine, uh, I'm going to let you choose one of these first. You can either add a team to the pool, take influence over Horus, or clear a condition. <laughs> Oh, I should clear a condition, but I want influence over Horus so Christy, bad! Once in a game opportunity. <laughs> You're right, I'm never going to have the chance Do to have it. influence over Horus again, so I'm yes. going to take that. Okay. Uh, now, your other thing, though, is this is going to cost you. You either expose yourself to danger or you escalate the situation. I want to expose myself to danger. Mm. So you pull Todd just slightly back from Horus, which gives Horus room to kind of, like, maneuver and get her face free. And she looks over at you and she goes... Don't try to help. Get the hell out of here. As Todd turns back and just puts a hand out, and you feel a crushing wave of pressure smash you up against the wall. I do need you to take a powerful blow. This is great. Okay, this is great. Here we go. Uh, it doesn't matter. It's <laughs> oh, over, yeah, it's oh. over ten. Yes? So, okay. Yeah. Well, you have your choices. Now, Horus is here and does count as part of your team, so in theory you could give around and lash out verbally. <laughs> Uh, or use your influence on Horus to inflict a condition on Horus. I don't want to inflict it. That's true. You just got that influence. You or you could remove burn. yourself from the situation, flee, pass out, etc. Or uh, lose control of yourself or your powers in a terrible way. Okay, I'm going to lash out verbally and give ground, I think. Okay. Uh, so what are you trying to get Horus to do? What foolhardy action are you trying to convince Horus to take? Because the keyword there is foolhardy. I want her to stop... To stop trying to hurt Todd. Valid? Ah. I think, okay, so leave Todd alone. Yeah. That is foolhardy. Um, <laughs> sure. Yeah, go ahead and roll to provoke someone. Didn't I do that? Uh, no, I did no. not. Okay, that's 11 plus super, so it's 9 minus another 2, so it's a 7. So on a 7 to 9, oh, Horace is always going to overreact. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I already have influence. You do, but that's the choice that she's making. That's fine. So she overreacts. So give me that scene. What is Piero actually saying to try and get Horus to knock it off? I like knock it off. That's pretty good. Um, I can't think of anything better. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna shout really loud, like knock it off, like louder than I've ever screamed. And your other option was giving ground, and your opposition gets an opportunity. In this case, this being Todd Roman. I think the way this shakes out is. Horace stops to kind of like look at you and you can tell that she is about to lay into you for telling her to knock it off in her sanctum. And Todd takes that moment to grab her and throw her through a wall. Uh, Does that mean there's a hole in a wall? There is. What's on the other side? A featureless silver desert through which you can see 
all sorts of weird looming shadows they're starting to look through that hole in the wall yeah uh, and you, you are can, making so many mistakes and you can see <laughs> and you can see through that hole in the wall and these like looming huge shadows that are kind of like starting to peer in two little points of fire that are Horace's eyes she is pissed Meanwhile, back in the National Park. Back where my problems seem insignificant. <laughs> so, you just made a call uh, yes. to Brad. Yes. And as you are, uh, you know, informing Brad of your whereabouts, you've seen this large looming shape in the woods. Uh, and as you send over the facts of your uh, GPS coordinates, you see it kind of rear back and then charge out of the woods. And you see something that is both terrifying and majestic. This is a... Is it easy- a mirror? This is an easily 3,000-pound, three-tusk boar. Oh! And it is charging straight at you. Yes. Wait, three-tusk? So yes. yes. Yes, the Apex City three-tusk boar. Yes. Yes, this is the Apex boar. Yes. Thought to be extinct. Oh, man. Don't kill this. I don't want to kill this. It is charging straight at you. What do you do? Jeez. Uh, I, 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 hmm. I want to get out of the way. <laughs> okay. Just getting out of the way? For now, yeah. Okay, I think I'm going to have you roll that as an Unleash Your Powers. That's an eight, nine? On a, on a nine, uh, you do do this. So I think um, your mechanical parts kind of like pull you along the ground, uh, give you that little extra boost of speed that you need to get out of the way of this thing. But on a seven to nine, do you want to mark a condition or do you want me to tell you how this is unstable or temporary? Let's make it unstable or temporary because I know it's going to be anyways. <laughs> sure. Uh, I think I'm going to go for unstable. Okay. Uh, so you're uh, you're currently in eagle mode, right? Yes. Yes, I am. Your uh, eagle cybernetics kind of take on a life of their own and start pulling you up a tree. Okay. And you find yourself hanging by some, uh, like, not full-on wings, but like vestigial uh, appendages from your back that have grabbed onto a branch and are now holding you above this boar as it circles this tree and it's sort of like <laughs> rub its tusks up against it. You can tell it could... This is a this is a big old tree. Given time, this thing will knock it over. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you are for the moment safe. Okay. And the, uh, the call to Kopi is still ongoing and Brad <laughs> has heard something happen on the other line and he goes, are you... Baroness, are you okay? I'm... I'm just gonna... I'm just gonna end the call. Okay, you just hang up on him. Yeah, I'm I'm entranced by this boar. I wanna I wanna try to communicate <clears throat> with it. Okay. How are you gonna do that? If maybe if you impress or surprise it, it might it might become impressed by you. It might. I, I do. I need to win its respect. Well, what are you doing right now? Yeah, so I feel like I need to free myself from this tree and get back down onto the ground with it. <laughs> so that's easy enough. You can just let go. You have control over these appendages on your back. Oh, okay. I thought they were, like, acting on their own or something. They were at the moment. Okay, but now they're back under my control. Okay. Now that you've had a moment. Uh Uh-huh. So you can let go of this branch and kind of, like, land on the ground. And this boar obviously sees you land and is starting to rear back to, you know, do Uh its boar thing and get you out of its territory. I feel like I want to tap into my animalistic instincts and try to understand it. Okay. I want to peer inside its mind and know uh, what it wants. Could you say that you are trying to pierce this mask? Perhaps I am. Why don't you roll plus mundane? Oh, Your good. strongest label. Actually, I, it's one of my stronger labels at the moment. Nice. That's a seven. So on a seven to nine, you get to ask one question off of that list. How can I gain influence over you? The apex boar, you can you can understand its body language. This is a dominance posturing. Yes. If you assert your dominance over this boar by meeting its charge, like, head-on or, like, otherwise, you know, basically roughing it up a little bit. Got it. If it sees you as the alpha animal, it will defer to you. 
All right. Awesome. That so, is. <laughs> so with that, what do you do? I am going to roar at this guy, and I'm going to charge right at him. Nice. Uh, so yeah, go ahead and directly engage threat. <laughs> That's like a 15. That'll do it. Okay. Uh, do you want to uh, engage any of your moves at this point as well? If there was ever a time. Yes. I'm going to cause collateral damage to this national park and destroy some irreplaceable natural beauty. Okay. <laughs> I think I think I know how that's going to work out. Okay. All right. Uh, so you get to pick three things off that list. What do you want to do? Yes. I'm going to resist their blows, Fair. impress, surprise, or frighten them. Legit. And take something from them. What do you want to take? I want to take a trophy. I want to take, like, a tuft of its fur or something. That's fair. That's fair. So it charges you, and you kind of meet it head on, uh, kind of in the middle there. And I think the way this works out is that you grab it and you, like, throw it. You just use its momentum against it. You okay. pull out a big handful of fur as it goes. And it impacts the ship uh, that was kind of halfway in the lake, snaps it in half. So the collateral damage is that ship was salvageable. Now it's not. Now it's not. <laughs> the boar at that point shakes itself off and like stands up and paces a couple of times and it's like pacing in front of you like it's trying to figure out an angle that it can charge you from uh and we get those panels of how does jackie respond to that oh she just like fluffs up like stares it down <laughs> fur stands on end you know like nice like all animals nice. do and just... nice so so yeah it's like like pace to the right pace to the left yeah. and eventually it just like stops and like lays down on its haunches and just like stares at you and uh you'd now have influence over the apex yes. boar Please write it. Oh my god, yes. Is this boar like this like Princess Mononoke size boar? Oh yeah, like easily. Yes. It's huge. Write it. <laughs> it, is, it is huge. Yes. <laughs> so, Darren. Yeah. Debbie does insist on going to get a celebratory ice cream with you. Uh, okay. Uh, but after that, unless there's anything that you want to catch up with or uh, anything you want to try and do during that time <clears throat> uh, that you are out with Debbie... Mm-hmm. I would uh, take my watch to the watch shop, see if they can fix it. So your local iPhone store uh, has no <laughs> idea how to deal with this thing. This is a very specific piece of tech. But luckily, you know where it came from. So mm-hmm. you'll Can t- I go there? And I want to uh, basically have you kind of entering the Phoenix building. You see just a bunch of people kind of, you know, doing normal work. <clears throat> uh, and as you enter, they all kind of stop and look at you because... You're you. Yeah. Is, Debbie's not with me anymore. It's like that's, she, a, that's up to you. Do you did you, want, did you want to bring Debbie with? No, I think it'll just be me. Okay. I'm going to the Phoenix Institute to repair my watch. That's fair. You show up, everyone just kind of stops and looks at you, uh, and then one of the uh, the guys working the reception desk kind of comes over, and he's like, can I can I help you with something? Yes, and I would show, I would hold out uh, my watch, which is in both my hands, in front. Please make it not broken. And he looks at it. Oh, that's... And he just like kind of like gently takes it from you. Hold on just a minute. And he goes over and he uh, starts talking to someone else behind one of the desks. Okay. And they like type a few things in and they plug this watch in briefly to a USB port. And then uh, there's a there's that moment where they both kind of like stop and look at the screen with like their eyebrows raised. Like, and then he brings it back over to you. We'll have a replacement sent out. Uh, how long? No more than twenty four hours. Okay. Thank you. Hero. So this altercation has escalated a little bit. Yes. Immediately after uh, Todd threw Horace through a wall, there was a large gout of fire that surrounded Todd for probably a solid 20 to 30 seconds. And you can feel it from all the way across the room, and like the tips of your hair are singed at this point. When it dies out, uh, there's a big scorch line through the room, and Todd is standing there looking relatively unimpressed. Horace has pulled herself back in. She's like hanging on to like the, the wall in the hole. What are you up to? Okay, so... 
I was thinking I would use infinite powers, but I wanted to know if that applied to my own abilities. Uh, in what way? What are you trying to do? I was going to try to memory manipulate Todd into remembering who he really is. Ooh, I like that. Huh. That's good. Yeah. Yeah, do that. Okay, cool. Uh, I am going to make you mark your doom track. That's okay. Yeah. So I guess the question here is kind of a matter of intent, right? Mm-hmm. Are you trying to um, snap him back to kind of get Todd back out of whatever this thing that he's in the middle of is? Or are you trying to get him off of Horace? Or what is your intent here? I'm definitely trying to pacify him more than anything. Like, I'm really trying to be like, like, it's a redirection. But that's the wrong word. I'm very sorry. No, no, no. I, I, think, I, I think I know what you're going for. Okay. And I would like you to roll to comfort yeah, or support yeah, someone. It's, your, it's a one. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> uh, here's how this works. That's right. You get to mark potential. I know. You do get to mark potential. You are filling your potential. <laughs> yeah. Like, legit. Remember how we said we were fi- you were filling your doom track faster than potential? Yes. I think you're catching up. I'm getting there. Thanks, five conditions. <laughs> uh, sometimes that's all it takes is, you know, getting in the middle of a fight between two godlike supers, you know, with five conditions marked. <laughs> that's all it takes. Seems like a good thing. Tell me how you are trying to manipulate his memories. What does this look like on the page? Are you, like, trying to go in there and shuffle things around? Or what does that look like? I am going to pull up the video... Of me saving Todd Roman mm-hmm. and attempt to like, like max out the volume and attempt to like I cut my hands around the speaker and I try mm-hmm. to project that noise to his little okay. drums. So you're just trying to use yeah. your phone. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. This does have the effect that it does get his attention. So he turns and he looks at that. And then last time he did this, you just felt kind of like a, a wave of pressure kind of push you up against the wall. And this time it's more centered on your hand. Your phone is destroyed. Okay. And also I need you to take a powerful blow because it was in your hand. It is crushed. 13. Okay. I am hitting you so hard. Well, you have your options. You know what they are. Uh, yeah, I think it's just time to pass out. You, you feel basically a lot of the bones in your hand just snap. This is an intense pressure that crushed your phone in your hand from all sides. Uh, and I think that's what makes you pass out. Next scene we get, I want to get back over to Jackie for a sec. Okay. You have quelled the boar. Yes. What are you doing? Well, first thing I'm doing is taking a selfie and sending it to William in response to his text. Fair. With, I assume with the boar. Well, the obviously with the boar. Taking a selfie with the boar? Uh-huh. Okay. Super impressed. <laughs> also, uh, Jackie's a polar bear now. Oh, yeah. You know, that's less surprising than the boar. <laughs> Different, but Okay. <laughs> Weird flex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Weird flex. You can also see like a burning spaceship in the background. Yeah, there's also that. Like it's half in a pond. The, the subtitle of this picture is, I'll tell you about it later. <laughs> I feel like there's a closing shot of me riding the boar into the sunset with Apex City in front of me. Nice. I like that. So you're riding the boar uh, at least as far as it'll take you towards Apex City. Yeah, yeah. Cool. This is going to be my new pet. He's, he's staying with me forever. <laughs> Darren. After dropping your phone off at Phoenix to be repaired uh, mm-hmm. or replaced, how do you want to kind of end out this particular issue? I think I would step outside the Phoenix Institute and sit down on the curb of the street and cry. Oh, yeah. what's been weighing on, on, on Darren? I, William scolded me earlier. Uh, my phone, my watch is broken mm-hmm. and two of my friends are missing. 
And uh, that battle with uh, the buggy car was all a reminder of uh-huh. like how alone I am without them, and I'm feeling really sad. Yes. Well, so I, I take off my cowboy hat and I put it down beside me and I cry a bit. Sad cowboy. Yeah. So I texted a picture to everyone, but only William can get it right now. All the Phoenix watch, yeah. Uh, Just to be clear. Well, her phone's broke. That's true. Yeah. Not your watch. Yeah. yeah. But you're like, oh, this is the the watch. Oh, you the Phoenix watch. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so that true. said. You do have an actual cell phone, as far as I recall. Mm-hmm. That's undamaged? That's fine. Okay. It was just your, your Phoenix watch that got broken. Oh, I thought she sent over the Phoenix watch. It's been it's very unclear on how we primarily communicate. Yeah. Really, I assume everyone has... So everyone has those watches. Yeah. I assume most of you actually have cell phones as well. Well, yes. yes. So whether or not you use it primarily is kind of irrelevant. You do have a cell phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think we do get, uh, amidst this Darren being sad kind of moment, I do think that we see uh, a few texts from Debbie, including that selfie of you and her and Punch Buggy that says, awesome first team up. Just like cross it. <sighs> Meanwhile, over at, uh, over at the Infernus household. So, William, you've had a little conversation with Eric. You know where Nightshade is. Yeah. On the moon. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> What are you up to as we close out this issue? I guess I'm going to be doing research. Okay. I'm going to be using the uh, Infernus, whatever resources I can, I can get at, which is slightly better than most people, I think, um, <laughs> to try and uh, get whatever information on this moon base I can and plan how I'm going to break someone out of a moon base prison. Uh, so you're basically kind of going through your family's documents and uh, whatever information they might have. And as it turns out, the Infernus family back in the day were big funders of this project. Why am I not surprised? Why would you be? <laughs> you actually have a copy of the blueprints. <laughs> Sweet. Now... This was the initial blueprints, yeah. and that was, at this point, like 30 years ago. So changed. Might have changed in the meantime. Okay. Uh, but I think we can kind of see you going over those and making some plans. What direction are you leaning at the moment? What do you think William would think about first in regards to this moon heist? William wants to do this. He wants <clears throat> to get Nightshade out of prison, and he is banking on... And really, he's banking on both uh, on Eric being on his side and hopefully Nightshade being on his side, but his father not knowing either of those things. So that is why William is so is actually willing to do this and is more and is investing the time in Eric and Nightshade by association. And I want to end this issue with Piro, uh, as we end so many issues. You wake up in a featureless silver desert. And you can see bits and pieces of Horus's sanctum just scattered all over the place. The treasure pile is just blown to pieces. That little bronze turtle is now slowly crawling away across the desert. And at the speed that it's going, you can tell that it's been doing it for a while because it's a pretty good distance off. You don't see Horus and you don't see Todd. As you stand up, you can see above you. And this is kind of a big, like, uh, to use a comics term, this is a big Kirby starscape where... You know, the sky looks like it's much closer and much more active than it actually is. So you can see, like, planets and, like, nebulas and, like, shooting stars and all sorts of motion. And it's pretty gorgeous, but maybe a little unsettling right now. And you hear behind you someone kind of clear their throat. What do you do? Is my ha- How is my hand? Oh, it is shattered. Okay. Well, I guess I'm just going to turn around. From the ground up. 
you see hooves uh, with like blue fur up to kind of a reverse jointed knee, a very sparkly fancy vest, kind of like carnival barker style. Above that, uh, a big bright red bow tie. Above that, big blue wings, big thick arms with long claws on them. Above the uh, bow tie, a big bushy mustache and a monocle, uh, and two big curved horns with a ring of fire above those. And he looks at you and he goes, Bully! I was wondering when you'd get here. You know my grandson. And he reaches out a hand, uh, the opposite to the one that you've been crushed. Balthazar in fairness. Pleasure to meet you. Yeah, Masks A New Generation is written for Magpie Games by Brendan Conway. It is made of shopping montages, animal friendship, and mood whiplash. Buy it with your money, and then tell a friend to do the same. The Baroness is played by Christina. Piero is played by Lenny. You can find her on Twitter at 1-800-TOD. William and Furnace is played by Jordan. Darren is played by Nan. Find her on Instagram at Nanjitsu. Apex City is GM'd by Jeremy, who also writes the music and edits this podcast. Our album art was provided by Ash Brandt. Find them on Twitter at Cinder underscore Brandt on Instagram at Brandt.ash, and on Tumblr at Kimmins. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts crash out of orbit. Follow us on Twitter at ApexCityCast. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next issue.